Now, if I said today, it's to say to you this morning, I know exactly what your purpose is in life, and I'm going to tell you individually what your purpose is. You're probably going to sit here, you're probably going to open your ears, you'll probably get off your phone, get off Facebook, and because uh, I know some of you look at Facebook, I know you do, but uh, you'll probably open your ears, you may get your, your notepads out, you'll wait with bated breath because you want to know what your purpose is in life. All of us, we want to know why we're here on this earth, why did God create us? Do you know that second uh, most sold Christian book of all time, beyond past the Bible, is a book that was written by a pastor, and on the bottom of the, the subtitle, why, why, it said, why on earth am I here? It sold millions and millions of copies. It's the fifth best-selling non-fiction book of all time, because people want to know what their purpose is in life. People want to know, why am I here? Why was I created? And this is what people think. If I know what my purpose is, then I'm going to get something to work towards in life. We want, to know, we want a cause to work towards. We don't want to just go through life, go through the motions, but we want to work towards something. And this is what we think. We think, if I know my purpose, then I'm probably going to be fulfilled in my life. I'm going to work extra hard to do what I've been called to do or what I've been created to do. Did you know that God has a plan and a purpose for each and every one of you? I believe that God created you with a plan and a purpose for your life. Last fall, we went through a series called Dream Killers. And it was about the life of Joseph. And every week I stood up here during that series and I said to you, God has a plan for your life and you don't want to miss it. And I believe that. I believe that God has a plan for your life. Psalm 37 tells us that the steps of a righteous person, someone who is right with God and right standing with God, the steps of a righteous person are ordered of the Lord. And then Jeremiah uh, chapter 29 tells us, it says that, uh, God says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for your good and not for your harm. The Bible all over us tells us that God has a plan and a purpose for our lives. But the problem is, if we found out what that plan and a purpose was, some of us, we may not like it. We may not want to follow it. And some of us think, well, we will never be able to do that. I'm a nobody. How could I do what God has purpose for my life? You know, last week, we started this series, Defining Moments, and we talked about a man called Jacob. And we talked about how this guy, Jacob, he didn't really like who he was. He spent all of his life searching for an identity to his life. We talked about how he was named heel holder because of an act that he did at birth. How he was named deceiver because he deceived people trying to get ahead of the game. He was always known as the second best, not the first. And he was a man who did not like who he was. And so he spent his lifetime searching for identity. Did you know when I was a kid, I didn't really like who I was either. I know you find that hard to believe, but I really didn't. I was like this scrawny little kid. I was like one of the smallest in my class. So I like had no muscle or fat on me. Like you could see my ribs. I mean, it was kind of crazy. So when I was younger, uh, I, I didn't like some of the things or the gifts and the talents and the way God had created me. For example, I never had good handwriting. 
Now, for those of you who have ever seen my handwriting, you're like, Alex, your handwriting is like a drunken spider with ink on his like, legs just crawling over the paper. And it is. I've got really bad handwriting. I like sign my name at a supermarket, and the lady will just look at me like, what was that? I'm like, I'm sorry. I just got bad handwriting. And I didn't like the fact I had bad handwriting. So I remember at school, I'd look over at some of the other people who had good handwriting, and I would start to try to copy their handwriting because I didn't like how the way that my hand wrote on the paper. But the problem is if you've got bad handwriting, you've got bad handwriting, you copy someone else and it makes it even worse, a bigger mess. And I remember one teacher, after a paper I'd submitted, she was just like circled on the bottom. Do you call that handwriting? I mean, that's what she said. I'm like, ah. And then I didn't like the fact that I was always so skinny. So I went and tried to lift weights. But if you've got no muscle and you've got no bones on you, I mean, no, uh, no fat on you, then the, you know, the weights just aren't doing anything. It's just like making your bones strong or something. And then when I was about 16, I was about five foot five at the time. I didn't like fully develop till I was like 25, I think, you know, but I was a late developer. So I was, when I was about 16 and all the other kids were much taller and I wanted to be taller. So I decided I went and got myself some cowboy boots that gave me about two inches of extra lift. And I walk around thinking I was all that and a bag of chips. But, uh, but then when I took my cowboy boots back off, I realized I wasn't that tall at all. And then I wanted to be a good singer. And for those of you who don't know, I sit on the front row because I don't want anyone else to hear my singing, even though the band can hear me at times. But I don't have a good voice. And I remember I wanted to, to have a good voice. So I'd listen to the people who had good voices. And they all did like these pushes and these falsettos. But the problem is if you have a bad voice and you do pushes and falsettos, you sound like a cat being strangled. And I realized that wasn't who I was. God had not equipped me to be a singer, a good hand writer, a tall person, a muscular person, or any kind of person, I think, at all. And I discovered that I thought my life was not glamorous. And I looked at other people, and I thought their life was a lot more glamorous than mine. And maybe you're in that boat today. Maybe you're looking at your life and you're thinking, I don't like how God has wired me, how God has gifted me, how God has created me. You look at other people and you think, I wish I had their gifts and talents. I wish I could sing like them. I wish I could do sports like them. I wish I could be career driven like them. I wish I could raise my kids like them. I wish I was patient like them. I wish I had a marriage like them. And what we think, we think the grass is always greener on the other side, but the reality is, is those people may be looking at you and thinking, I wish I was more like them. Because the grass is very rarely greener on the other side. And what I've discovered is that God has created you. God has wired you. God has gifted you for his purposes. And when we start to live out the purposes that God has for our lives, then we make a greater impact on this world than whatever we could do trying to be somebody else. So this morning, I want to introduce you to a young immigrant woman. She was a, a young girl whose parents were Jewish, were, were Jewish, and they lived in a place called Judah, which is in the Middle East. And when they were young, they were taken by the Babylonians who had come and invaded Judah, and they had taken a lot of the young people, and they had taken them into what we call exile to Babylon. 
And while she was in Babylon, her parents gave birth to her. She grew up, and as she was a young girl, the unfortunate happened, and both her parents passed away and died. This young Jewish girl, her name was Esther, and she was taken in by her older cousin called Mordecai, who adopted her and invited her into her household. Now, Mordecai, he was a servant in the palace of the king of Persia. Persia was one of the biggest empires this world has ever known throughout history. And the king of Persia, he lived in a place called Susa. And Mordecai served in the palace as a servant to the king and the king's of officials. And so Esther grew up in the palace of the king of Persia. Now, for most people, they would have looked at Esther's life, and she would have been this Jewish girl, and they would have said, you are not living out the purposes God had for you. Because the purposes God had for you was that you were to live in Israel and be brought up under Jewish customs. But the reality was, she was not in Israel She was not being brought up by Jewish customs. She was in a foreign land. And most people would have said that, Esther, you are in the wrong place at the wrong time. But the reality was, Esther was in the right place at the right time. She probably looked at her life and think, well, I'm just not as glamorous as some other people. I don't have what other people have. I wish that I was born in a different generation or in a different life. Because she was not living the purposes that a Jewish woman should have lived for. But she found herself in the right place at the right time. And this is why. The king and queen of Persia had a huge argument. The queen upset the king so much that the king was furious. And they went through like the messiest divorce of their generation. This was before there was lawyers, before the queen could take anything from the king. The king decided that he was just going to destroy the queen. So he took away her title, he took away her wealth, and he banished her from the empire of Persia. She could have no part in the empire of Persia. He took it away. It was all over TMZ. It was in People Magazine, Entertainment Tonight, and Access Hollywood. Ran it for weeks upon weeks. In the end, everyone just got bored of it and like, come on, let's go on to the next set of news. It was the messiest divorce of their generation. And so the king turned to his officials. He says, right, I want you to go and find me a woman who is worthy to be king. So, A competition happened. They invited all the most beautiful women of Persia to come and audition to become queen of Persia. So all these beautiful women came, and it was like uh, an episode of America's Next Top Model or The Bachelor or or some other trashy show like that. And... So they all came, and one by one, they would come. Some would get the ticket. You're going to Hollywood. Others, sorry, you're no good. You're going home. And they whittled it down to like 12 contestants made it to the final. I'm just using a little, like, it doesn't actually say that in the Bible. If you go like, Alex, you're heretic. You're not saying things like the Bible. I'm just like using some preacher's license there. But anyway, they whittled it down to some finalists. And the finalists were put through 12 months of beauty treatments. 
12 months. Could you imagine, ladies, like your purpose for 12 months is just to go through beauty treatments. You go to get manicures and pedicures every day. You, you know, you go and get massages. You go get some liposuction. You go get some lifts in some areas that you want some lifts. You know, you get to bathe in milk. You put some crazy stuff on your face, cucumbers on your eyes, wash your hair in coconut oil. I don't know what you ladies do. But anyway, but this is what happened for 12 months. And then at the end of 12 months, one by one, the, each woman got to go and spend one night with the king. I don't know what happened. I don't know. My parents haven't told me about stuff that happens like that yet. So I don't know what happened. But anyway, they came out and the king either said yes or no. And most of the time he went no. And then Esther, it was her turn because she was one of the finalists. And Mordecai through these 12 months had been telling her just what to do, how to conduct yourself in the palace. And she went in that one night. It was her turn. She walked into the king's quarters. And then we cut to commercials, right? I mean, we missed it. And then the next, we come back on to the episode, and it's like morning, and we miss all the other stuff. Because we don't know what happened, but all we know is that Esther must have had some talents that we were not aware of. Because the king was like, woohoo, that's the girl. That's the one I want. And she impressed the king. And so in that moment, the Esther, this young immigrant woman, became queen of Persia. The problem was for her was that she was a Jewish woman and nobody knew about it. And if they had known, if the king had known, he could have executed her. He could have got rid of her. And this was her dirty little secret. But then this woman who should have never become queen because of her background had become queen. And what you find out when you serve God God will open doors in your life that should have never been opened to you. God will show favor in your life that in the natural should have never been shown to you. There will be moments in your life when God will bless you in such a way and all you can stand back and think, wow, that had to be God. And there will be those who will not understand what God is doing because they don't serve God. They will not understand how you are able to walk through doors that are once closed. How you were able to stop going into something that would have led you into danger. They will not understand how God will bless you in certain ways. And even some might become jealous of you and dislike you. And this is what happened with Esther. She was in a place that in the natural sense she should have never been in. And so Esther is queen, and I can imagine her sometimes lying in the king's bed as she woke up in the morning thinking, how did I get here? God has blessed me so much. I can imagine her. There were times when she would just think, wow, this is my purpose in life, to be queen of Persia. See, there was no woman in the whole Persian Empire who had more purpose than Esther. But the reality is, is Esther was in a position and her position was not her purpose. And so often in our lives, we think that we need to rise to a certain position. And when we get to that position, it's our purpose. But our position is not our purpose. Our position is just the place that God uses us to fulfill his purposes. And some of you, you've climbed up the career ladder. 
Or you're trying to climb up the career ladder and you're thinking that is your purpose in life. The reality is, is God will put you in positions in order to fulfill his purposes. Your position is not your purpose. And so, Esther found herself in the king's palace. There was a problem. There was a guy in the palace as well. His name was Haman. He had risen up through the ranks. And Haman was a man who was very ambitious. He was one of those very career-oriented people. And he didn't who he stumbled on, who he moved aside to get where he wanted, and he rose to become the second in command in the whole of the king, in, in the kingdom of Persia. He was a very proud and arrogant man. Have you ever met those people? You know, at work, they think they're all that, and they don't care who they step on, don't care who they backstab, as long as they get where they wanted to go. They're so proud and arrogant. And Haman was one of these men. And so he issued a rule that everybody except for the king should bow down to him as he walked by. How many of you have got a boss like that? No, don't raise your hand, just in case. But there's some people like that. They think that you should just worship them. And this was Haman. So Haman would go around and everyone would bow down to him. But Mordecai worked in the palace. And every time Haman would walk past Mordecai, Mordecai refused to bow down to him. See, Mordecai was a good Jew. And a good Jew knows that you should only bow down to the Lord your God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And you should not bow down to man. And Haman was furious. He despised Mordecai because Mordecai would not bow down to him. So basically, he got an investigation going and looking into the background of Mordecai. He found out Mordecai was a Jew. He hated him even more. And so Haman came up with this plan and he tricked the king. And he went to the king and he said, look, all these Jews are causing problems in the kingdom. And if you get rid of the Jews, then your empire is going to be stronger. You're going to have more wealth. You're going to have more things for you. Your, your position in this world is going to be stronger. And so the king issued a decree. And the decree was this. On March 7th, the next year, all the Jews in the, king, in the empire of Persia were to be destroyed. They were not to come under the protection of the empire anymore. And they were to be killed. And so... The word got out. The decree went out and all the Jewish people started to wail. And they started to, 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 to go into mourning. They started to fear. Anxiety came over them because they knew in one year's time that they were going to die. See, for when you serve God, there will be those who will despise you. There will be those who will hate you. And in your workplace and in your neighborhood, in your circle of friends, in your circle of influence, not everybody's going to like you. You see, man is a rebellious creature. And what sin has done in the heart of man, it has caused man who was created to worship God, now to worship himself. A man who was created to be in relationship with God has now rejected God. And when people who worship themselves and are a rejection and they reject God, they meet people who serve God and worship God. It just highlights to them how much they're missing in their lives. You're like a light that shines in the darkness and they will hate you for it. 
Apostle Paul says in Romans, he says that these really are haters of God. Haters of God. They don't really hate you. They just hate God. And this was Haman. He hated the people of God. And so we're going to pick up this story in the book of Esther. So if you've got your Bibles, please turn to the book of Esther, chapter 4. The book of Esther, chapter 4. The, the words should be on the screen as well if you don't have your Bibles. We're going to start reading at verse 1. And this is what it says. Esther 4, verse 1. When Mordecai learned about all that had been done, this decree, he tore his clothes, he put on burlap and ashes, and went out into the city, crying with a loud and bitter wail. He went as far as the gate of the palace, for no one was allowed to enter the palace gates while wearing clothes of mourning. And as soon as the king's decree reached all the provinces, there was great mourning among the Jews. They fasted, wept, and wailed, and many people lay in burlap and ashes. When Queen Esther's maid and eunuchs came and told her about Mordecai, she was deeply distressed. She sent clothing to him to replace the burlap, but he refused it. So this decree has gone out, and there is anxiety in the Jewish nation. The Jewish people are anxious. Could you imagine if suddenly from Washington there was a decree that was sent out? Hey, all people of Caucasian background, in a year's time you're going to die. All people of African background, in a year's time you're going to die. All people of Hispanic background, in a year's time, you're going to die. All people of Asian background, you are going to die. All people of British background, you're going to die. I'm like, I'm the only one freaking out. <laughs> but could you imagine that happening? And this is what happened. And Mordecai went out in the city and he wailed like a baby. He cried, he prayed, he fasted. Have you ever got to that point where you've got some bad news and you come before God and you start to wail and you start to cry and you start to fast, but it seems like it doesn't make any difference whatsoever? This is what happened for the Jews. But as Mordecai hears of Esther's concern for him, suddenly, it's like the light switched on his head. And he thought this, maybe, just maybe, God has positioned Esther for this very purpose. And so this is what happened. Esther, chapter four, chapter 4, verses, started reading at verse 5, it said, Then Esther sent for Hadak, one of the king's eunuchs, who had been appointed as her attendant. She ordered him to go to Mordecai and find out what was troubling him and why he was in mourning. So Hadak went to Mordecai in the square in front of the palace gate. Mordecai told him the whole story, including the exact amount of money Haman had promised to pay into the royal treasury for the destruction of the Jews. Mordecai gave Hadak a copy of the decree issued in Susa, that called for all the death of the Jews. He asked Hadak to show it to Esther and explain the situation to her. He also asked Hadak to direct her to go to the king to beg for mercy and plead for her people. So Hadak returned to Esther with Mordecai's message. Then Esther told Hadak, 
to go back and relay this message to Mordecai, all the king's officials, and even the people in the provinces know that anyone who appears before the king in his inner room without being invited is doomed to die unless the king holds out his gold scepter and the king has not called for me to come to him for 30 days. So Hadak gave Esther's message to Mordecai. So the light switched on for Mordecai. He sends a message to Esther. Hey, go to the king. You're in a position of influence. You're in a position of authority. God has placed you right here at this moment. Now go. You go to the king and change his mind. And this is what Esther said. No. I thought long about hard about this. Why did she say no? I think I've got to the conclusion. Esther likes her position. Esther liked her place of influence. Have you ever got to a place in your job where suddenly you're thinking, yeah, I'm making it. I'm climbing up the career ladder. Suddenly the finances are looking good. I can pay for some things. I'm, I'm, I'm getting rid of my debt. Now I can see myself moving up. You get to that place, you start getting comfortable, and you don't want to get, get, get rid of it. And this was Esther. Esther enjoyed her position. She liked her influence. She was suddenly realizing, I'm making it. I'm somebody now. I was once this young, unknown immigrant woman, but now I am a somebody. And so often, that's a problem for many of us. We like our influence. We like our position. But when you have influence, when you have position, When you rise up in your career or maybe you go down in your career. When you have influence or maybe you lose influence. When you have a circle of friends who you know listen to you. Then your question should always be this to yourself. How can I leverage my influence for the purposes of God? How can I leverage my influence for the purposes of God? So often, and I've been there, we think, how can I leverage my influence to better myself? And this is what Esther was thinking at this moment. But then this is what happened. And you can always trust that there's some good Christian person out there who will tell you how it is. Verse 15, it says, Mordecai sent this reply to Esther. Don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace, you will escape when all the other Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place. But you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this. So Mordecai says to her, he says, look, Just because you're in this place of influence doesn't mean that you're going to lose it. When they find out you're a Jew, they're going to kill you as well. But you know what? God's purposes are greater than ours. And Mordecai says that there will be someone else who will come to God's deliverance. He's saying, Esther, God wants to use you. God wants to use you to save his people. But if you refuse it, he's just going to use someone else. And then he says this, for who knows that you've been made queen for such a time as this. Don't you hate it when people just drop those bombshells on you? You know, you're going along life and then suddenly someone comes and speaks that truth. And you know it's that truth. And all you want to say is, shut up. I don't want to hear this right now. Wives are the best of this. I mean... Come on, guys, you know. 
You know that wives speak truth at times, and you hate it when they do it. And my wife is exactly the same. She has no problem in saying what she thinks to me, and most of the time it's true. So this last year, for those of you who don't know, when we started this church, we, uh, we, we decided that we were going to get what we call regular jobs. And so we work out in the marketplace, and uh, we, so we don't take a salary from the church. And we decided to do that to help the church get up on its feet so we wouldn't have to have the burden of salaries. And so we have like regular nine-to-five jobs like the rest of you. And last year was a really good year for me in my job. I'd risen up, and I got a good promotion, and I was doing very well for myself, increasing in influence. My position was higher, and I was in a spot where I could see myself climbing this career ladder. And that's when, you know, when you climb higher in the career, more of your time is required. No longer can you do that 37 and a half hours a week. It's now 40 hours and 45 hours. And they want more and more and more of you because the higher you go, it seems, in the corporate world, the more stuff is demanded of you. And that is what was happening last year was that I was climbing higher, but more of my time was taken. And this is when my wife dropped one of those bombshells. She turned to me. She says, Alex, she said, that job of yours is just the provision of God to help you fulfill the purposes of God. She said, that job is not your career. Quit thinking about it as your career. She says, your purpose in life is to pastor a church and to tell people about Jesus. It's not to sell insurance. And it was one of those where it's like, shut up, I don't want to hear you right now. But deep inside, I knew she was right. And this is exactly what Mordecai did with Esther. Esther knew that he was right, that God had called her not to become queen, but God had called her to save the Jewish people. And so this is what Esther says, and I love what she says, because most of us would be like, shut up, I'm doing what I want to do. But this is what Esther says in verse 15. It says, then Queen Queen Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go gather together all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. My maids will do the same. And then though it is against the law, I will go see the king. If I must die, I must die. So Mordecai went away and did everything that Esther had ordered him. I love what Esther says. She says, you know, even though it's against the law, even though I shouldn't do it, I know God has placed me here for a reason. And if I die, I must die. Could you imagine us saying that in our career? You know, if my career fails, my career fails. If I lose my job, I lose my job. If I lose my house, I lose my house. If I lose my influence, I lose my influence. But as long as I'm living in the purposes of God and not in the purposes of myself. And this is exactly what Esther did. I love what she says. And you know what? God honored Esther. And when you live in the purposes of God and you start to follow the purposes of God, God will follow you and he will honor you and he will give you favor. And this is what happened. She went to the the king and she told the king that she was a Jew and that she would be destroyed if this decree went over. She 
went to him and complained, and the king was furious, and he was mad, not at Esther, but at Haman. He reversed the decree. The Jewish people were saved, and then that proud, arrogant man, Haman, was fired from his job. He was taken by soldiers, and his body was thrust on a spear. See, when you're proud and arrogant, you may get on top for a while, but eventually you're going to meet what's coming to you. But when you serve God and you follow the purposes of God, God will eventually elevate you and God will show favor upon you and God will honor you. And this is exactly what happened for Esther. Last week I said this, God's heart melts when you press him. When you wrestle with God and you won't let God go, God's heart melts. I always believe that God's heart melts when you show acts of boldness for him. His heart just melts. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I took some of the leaders from Generation Church away for a couple of days. And we wanted to just go away, plan and pray about 2015, about what God wanted to do. We went to this house over on the eastern shore, and it backed onto this river, and it was all frozen. And through one of the sessions, I just walked outside, and I walked along the river, and it was silent. You could hear just some birds here and there. You couldn't hear anything else. And suddenly, I just heard God speak to me. And I heard God say, Alex, it's time for you to be bold. It's time for you to walk in boldness. Start saying some bold statements, making some bold decisions, and walking in bold faith. Because I'd realized I'd lived my life a little too much in my comfort zone, and it was time to be bold. And I realized God's heart melts when you are bold. The Acts Church, they went through all this stuff, persecution and everything. People were stoned to death, put in prison. And most of us, if we went through that, we would go into hiding. We would like deny that we are part of a church, but not the Acts Church. They got together, they prayed, they said, God, make us bolder. Make us bolder that we may go proclaim your name in your gospel more and more. And that's exactly what God wants to do in your life. He wants you to say, I'm ready to be bold and live for the purposes of God. For there's purpose in your life. God wants to use you and God wants to open doors in your life. And sometimes you'll go through life and you will not understand what God is doing. Sometimes it's good. It's like you're climbing the career ladder. Other times it's like the career ladder is coming crashing down and you will not understand what God is doing. But God is positioning you for his purposes. And when you live in the purposes of God, life takes on a whole new meaning. But it means that you've got to pray some bold prayers and walk in some bold faith. Remember, God has placed you there for a reason. Seek his name. Walk in boldness. And watch how God will use you for his greater purposes. And maybe, just maybe, one day you're going to find yourself in the palace. God has got a reason for your life. A reason that he wants to use for his purposes. God doesn't want to help you climb the career ladder. I tell you that. God wants to help you get to a place where you can be influential for his purposes. God doesn't want to help you get rich. 
God wants to bring you to a place where he can use you for his purposes. And maybe that's sometimes climbing the career ladder. That may be sometimes getting rich, but that may sometimes be getting rid of everything and losing everything and giving up everything. And some of you this morning, you need to make some bold things for Jesus Christ. You may need to make some bold decisions. You may need to make some bold actions for him. And some of you this morning, you're in this place and you know you may need to sell some possessions and give them up and give them to the poor. You may need to rework your finances so that, you know, you are giving more to the purposes of God than for your own purposes. Maybe you need to quit that job because you know it's taking your life away from God. Or maybe it's going taking that job because you know God's going to use you. Maybe you're in this place today and you need to make some bold steps in the way that that you conduct your family and everything doesn't just center around your kids or the pleasures that you want in this life, but now it centers around the purposes of God for your life. Maybe you need to make some bold steps today in working in the church. Maybe, Maybe you've been hurt by church And trust me, I've been there. You've been burnt out. I've been there. And you just haven't wanted to volunteer or help because you're so scared that it's going to happen again. But sometimes you just have to get up, puff puff your chest out and say, I'm going to be bold and I'm going to come and do what God has called me and gifted me to do. Maybe some of you this morning, God is calling you to be a pastor. And it's time to go back to Bible college or seminary or go help out at a church. Maybe God's calling you to be a missionary and go overseas or somewhere here in the United States. And it means getting unsettled, but you know that you've got to be bold. Maybe God's calling you, some some of you, even to plant a church. See, I believe God has got a reason for your life and purposes for your life. And you have a choice. You can say, I'm not going to do it. I like my position too much. Or you can say like Esther, if I die, I die. But I'm going to go out living in the purposes of God, following the plan that God has for me. Remember, Jeremiah says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are not for your harm, but they are for your good. And so God wants to use you. So the band are going to come back and we're going to finish with a closing song this morning. But if you want to bow your heads in prayer and if you know that you need to make some bold decisions, if you know that maybe you've been a little bit of a coward when it comes to the purposes of God in your life, if you know that God has been speaking to you this morning and you've been all more about your position and influence than the place that God has positioned you to fulfill the purposes of God, then this morning, you need to pray this prayer with me this morning. And we're going to pray a prayer of boldness today. Remember, Esther was a young immigrant woman. She shouldn't have been where she was, but God had elevated her because she was a willing soul for God. And you may be a nobody today. You may think I've got no gifts or or talents But God can use you and raise you up and use you in an incredible way for His purposes and His glory. And you can make an incredible impact on this life. So if that's you this morning, pray this with me. And as we pray this morning, I believe God is going to fill us with boldness.